0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done for us, God, and everything you're going to continue to do for us, Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm going to try my hardest to stay within that 45-minute time limit for Sunday school. This is a... The first time that I have done Sunday school, I've preached in the twelve o'clock several times, but this is the first time that I've been bound by that time constraint. And normally, I don't go very long at all. <clears throat> and so, um, and so, I've, I've been praying. I've been—I know the word that God has given me. I've, I've tried to make sure that I will make it to that forty-five minutes, so we're not just sitting here. But be patient with me. I'll try my hardest to get us to the 12 o'clock service, but, uh, but uh, just be patient with me and worship with me in this word. Um, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 5 while you're standing. I'll just read one or two scriptures while you're standing. And then uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 is where we'll begin, and we'll go through verse 11. Verse 6 through 11, it says this For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled unto God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall live. or We shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let's pray one time before we... Move on, Lord. We thank you, God, for everything that you've done for us up to this point. Lord, we thank you for your word, God, that we know is already anointed, God, and, Lord, is alive and speaks to us, Lord, every day. God, I ask you that you would just touch me, Lord. Touch your man today, God, and help me to give this word, Lord, in exactly the way that you would have it to be delivered, Lord, and touch the hearts and minds of every person under the sound of my voice, God, that we can take this word and apply it in some way and be bettered for your kingdom and your glory, God. Lord, and we be careful, Lord, to give you all of the honor and the glory today. God, it all belongs to you. Nothing else matters but you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In your precious name, in Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, thank you for standing. You be seated. I'll be talking today on the subject of Jesus only. Jesus only. I am... And I always will be someone who believes in Jesus only. Every time, excuse me, every time I hear somebody refer to a oneness apostolic person with the term Jesus only, it's like it's an insult. It's like they're saying it like we're uh, somehow missing out on something more than just Jesus. But, In reality, those who believe that we're crazy for believing in Jesus only are missing out on the fullness of Jesus as in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I can't read the Bible and see or understand anything but Jesus only. Literally the entire Bible is Jesus only. The Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world, and the book ends with the Lamb seated on the throne. Show me another protagonist, another good guy, another hero between these covers besides Jesus Christ alone. There, there is no one else in this book but Jesus. It's Jesus now, many see the name tag uh, Jesus only as a way to describe the theology of a oneness apostolic person. But I, uh, I cannot agree with that statement. To me, Jesus only is so, so much more than just the theology of an apostolic Christian. Jesus only is Everything. He is not only the fullness of the Godhead and the singular, omnipotent ruler of all. He is the breath of life in my lungs. He is the hope that I look towards. He is the friend that I trust in, the leader that I follow, the Savior and the justifier of my soul, and all of my faith is in Him. Everything I have came from Him. And everything that I hope to obtain is in His hands. Jesus only is the breath that I breathe. He is everything that I have. When I wake up in the morning, I have nothing first but Jesus only. Whenever I fall asleep at night, I have nothing to depend on but Jesus only. Jesus is everything to us. Revelation Chapter 1, 17 through 18 reads this. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Boy, I feel like if I saw him, I'd fall down at his feet like I was dead too. I tell you what, I can't imagine what that day is going to be like whenever we finally do see him. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. John chapter 11 verse 25 says this. Jesus said unto her, speaking to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Mm. There are two ways that our eternity can go. Well done or depart from me. Heaven or hell. And that end is determined by none other than Jesus Christ himself. He holds the keys to death and hell. And it is by him alone that death can be stopped and eternal life can be given. Eternity is in the hands of Jesus only. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 through 7, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but In demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that came to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. What do we know about something that was ordained before the foundation of the world. The Lamb of God which was slain. From the beginning, it's been Jesus and Jesus only. Second Timothy, he writes, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. By rightly dividing the word of truth we come to the grand conclusion of Jesus only if you study the god the mystery of godliness and the, the hidden wisdom that god ordained for our glory if you study what that hidden wisdom is that mystery that god is you will come to the conclusion of only Jesus there is no other conclusion reading Isaiah chapter 43 verse 10 he says Ye are my witnesses, this is God speaking, saith the Lord. And my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared, and I have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Who shall let it, meaning who can take it back? Who can change what I have said? I, even I, am he that comforteth you. In Isaiah 51. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the Son of Man which shall be made grass? I, even I. The Lord, Jehovah God, from the Old Testament, I am your Savior. I am your God. There is no God beside me. There was no God formed before me. There will be no God formed after me. I alone am the one who will save you. I alone am the one who will comfort you. I alone am the God of your peace. I alone am your provider. Everywhere that you read in the Old Testament, I alone Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, o Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One, I am one. Everywhere that you read, it is Jesus. Everywhere that you read, it is talking about Jesus. And then we read in Acts 4 and 12, and it says this, Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Then we read in John, Jesus says unto him, talking to Philip, and the disciples he says i am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me if ye had known me ye should know you should have known my father also and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him and philip saith unto him lord show us the father and it sufficeth us sufficeth us and jesus said unto him have i been so long time with you and yet thou hast not known me philip He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. And then further down in that chapter, He says, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. We read earlier, there's one Savior, and there's one Comforter. I'm the one who will come to you and save you. I'm the one who will come to you and comfort you. I will send you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it, is, it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. If Jehovah God from Isaiah told his people, I will save you and I will comfort you. Then we read in Acts, in the book of John, Jesus saying, I will come to you and I will comfort you. I and my father are one. My name is the only name given among men whereby you must be saved. The only way, the only way that we can receive that salvation is by Jesus and Jesus only. The only way that we can get to the salvation of the father Who said that he would save us in Isaiah, who said that he would comfort us in Isaiah? The only way that we can achieve that salvation and that comfort from Jehovah God is through Jesus Christ and Jesus only. It's the truth. You see, Jesus only is not limited to our theology, He is our sole provider. Aside from loading us daily with benefits, Jesus accomplished so much more than we understand on that cross. He did so much more than we can understand. And Forgive me. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to read these these three scriptures real fast before we move on. Because of the promise that God gave us in Isaiah, because of the the salvation and the comfort that he promised us, and because of the fulfillment of that promise in Jesus Christ, we can understand that the only way for us to access that salvation is through Acts 2.38. And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Romans five says this: For by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned into death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he continues on and says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We should live every single day with a repented heart, walking in that resurrection and newness of life, free from sin that comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus only. And that is why Jesus is not limited to our theology, but he is our sole provider. Aside from loading us daily with benefits, Jesus accomplished everything on the cross. He didn't just die to wash our sins away. He carried every burden that mankind could possibly carry so we could be free from those burdens, so that we could lean on him in our time of trouble, so that he could understand and not just sympathize with our struggle and our things that we deal with, but he could empathize with those things. We'll read in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6, and it says this, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We hear often about how he bore our sins and iniquity and our transgressions. I, I believe Jake preached a message one time. And he broke down all of the intricacies of what Jesus did. How his blood didn't just spill out to cover our sins but it it bruised on the inside to cover the things that we deal with on the inside and it was a great message and I'm not going to repeat it but we hear all the time about how how Jesus suffered for our transgressions and how he he suffered for our healing and how he suffered for our our salvation but there's something that I, I feel gets overlooked sometimes before before the guards ever even arrive on the scene, and he ever takes the first hit, before he ever even takes any physical punishment, there's a portion of his torment before he's embarrassed, and before he's shamed, and and before he goes through all the physical suffering. I'm going to read to you from an article and uh I always it, it's a it 's kind of a a bittersweet thing to me <clears throat> because it breaks my heart whenever I read about it, but at the same time there's so much that 's hidden in it and in, in the suffering of jesus christ there's so much that he did for us in that suffering and and in that that pain that he endured there's so much that he accomplished that I feel like it gets overlooked. And so, I'm going to go through this article. And it's an article by the, man, uh, the name of a man, Steve Shirley. And uh, he breaks down, as a historian and, and a biblical scholar, is what he, he says, and he breaks down the sufferings of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he goes into great detail of the things that the cross entailed and in order to in order to make the point to you today of why Jesus only is not just our theology i feel like it's important to to break down what he endured to break down the things that he went through so that we can truly understand in our everyday lives that Jesus only truly is everything that we need. That everything that he accomplished on that cross, everything that he accomplished on Calvary, everything he accomplished on that day, in the three and a half years that he was on this earth, everything that he accomplished in three and a half years, fulfilled four and a half thousand years of prophecy, and covered from that point until he comes back again. Three and a half years covered All of it. Everything he did was enough. And so, I'm going to go through this and uh, read this to you. Based on both biblical and historical evidence, I think it's safe to say that Jesus may have suffered more physical pain in his final hours on earth than any man in history. As I have studied this, I have had chills and read what he endured. I believe you will find, as I have, that it certainly gives you a greater appreciation for what Jesus has done on our behalf because he loves us so much. The Bible shows us that Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew ahead of time the things he was going to suffer before they happened. This caused him such distress that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his arrest and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. This phenomenon is is called hematidrosis, and it occurs when under extreme stress. The small capillaries surrounding the sweat glands burst, and blood mixed with sweat pours out of the sweat glands. And so in that first portion of Jesus' suffering, before the guards ever showed up, He covered something that I feel like weighs so heavily on the church today. Out of all of our sins, we believe that he covered our sins. We believe that he died for our healing and took those stripes for our healing. We believe that he did all of those things, but there's something before the guards ever even got to him, something that seems so small and insignificant, yet it weighs so heavily in our people, and that is stress. I don't believe that God's people were ever designed to be stressed out. I don't don't believe that God's people were ever designed to be in distress. He made a way for us to put our stress on Him. You see, we carry our cross daily. We carry the cross every morning when we wake up. And the purpose of carrying that cross is to identify with Jesus. And the purpose of identifying with Jesus is to allow Him to carry our burden, allow Him to carry the things that we cannot carry. In exchange, we carry the cross. All the things that we cannot bear, all the things that we cannot atone for on our own, He carries. And in turn, He gives us something that we can bear, and that is the cross. And so because of his suffering, because of the depth of his suffering, our stress that we tend to bear on our own, and just instead of giving it to God, we tend to go eat Mexican food and just kill ourselves and go home and and binge watch something and make ourselves forget about all the things that are going on in our life. But in turn, what we ought to be doing is trusting the God who literally went through one of the rarest sicknesses, one of the rarest uh, things that could happen to the human body because he was under so much stress. He, he literally bore our stress. Do you, I mean, if you believe that Jesus bore all of our iniquity, which we do, we, we believe that the Bible teaches that all of our sin, from the beginning to the end, all of it was put on his shoulders. Then we ought to believe that all these other things that he carried, all these other things that he suffered for, he didn't just do them symbolically, he bore them also. He bore our sicknesses and took those stripes for our healing. He bore our guilt and our shame when they went through all the torture, which I'm going to get into. He bore our stress so that we wouldn't have to do that all of the... Can you imagine? You know how stressed out we get sometimes over the smallest things. And now I want you to think about all of your stress leaving and everyone, just everyone in this room, if all of your stress all of a sudden just vanished and all of it was compiled on top of Jesus. Now imagine not just everybody in this room but everybody who has existed in all of time. He made a way by taking all of the stress that weighs on their hearts and their minds. He took all of it and put it on himself, and it weighed so heavily on him that his sweat glands literally died and bursted, and he was bleeding through the pores in his skin. Now the beginning of these sufferings that he was stressed out about, right after he was betrayed and arrested, he was taken to the high priest's house where he was struck in the face by an officer, just slapped, shamed. He was then blindfolded and beaten and spit upon by the men around him and had his beard pulled out as a way to shame him and try and bring him down off of his pedestal as as a beard in that culture represented a man's authority. It represented a man's strength and his power, and they depowered him in their eyes. They were trying to bring him down and shame him. After this beating, he was sent to Pontius Pilate, who questioned him, and then sent him to Herod after finding out he was a Galilean. And Herod, along with his men, treated him with contempt and mocked him and dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Pilate questioned him some more and then, giving in to the crowd's wishes, ordered Jesus to be crucified. Before being led to the crucifixion site, Pilate ordered that Jesus be flogged. This was a horrific ordeal. In fact, it was so horrific that the Roman law would not allow Roman citizens to undergo this treatment. The victim was first stripped of all clothing, then tied to a post with his hands above his head to stretch the skin, making the wounds worse. He was then flogged by one or two people with a whip. This whip, often called a a cat of nine tails, consisted of a handle about 18 inches long and nine leather straps about six or seven feet long each. And... The end of each strap was small lead balls mixed with pieces of animal bone and metal. These would tear into the body more and more with each successive lashing. With the lead balls ripping into the skin and the jagged pieces of bone and metal tearing it out, as the flogging progressed, muscles and vital organs and even the spine could often be seen openly. Huge strips of skin would be hanging from the body. After this flogging, the victim was untied and fell to the ground and often unconscious, sometimes dead, never even making it to the crucifixion, but Jesus survived it without losing his consciousness and then came to the next torture. He was then clothed and led to the praetorium where the soldiers stripped him again, likely tearing the flesh off of his back as the drying blood stuck to his clothes. They put a some... Translations say it was purple. Some translations say it was a scarlet robe. And I read that scarlet robe, and uh, and something calls back to me of how he, he spoke in the Old Testament, saying, come and reason together with me, though your sins be as scarlet. I'll make you white as snow. And then And then he bears on himself a scarlet robe, in my eyes, symbolic of our sin and our shame and all the things that we... We carry on ourselves and that that scarlet robe it's like he traded us It's like he lived this life in a perfect white robe, and then he came to his his suffering and his torture, and it's like he walked up to us and took off his white robe, gave it to us, and took our scarlet robe and put it on so that he could be punished for our sins so he could bear our identity and be tortured for our our sins. Uh, and uh as they they put that robe on him, they they continued uh to beat him, but they put a crown of thorns upon his head that was each thorn was about two inches long, and then they had a, a reed that they would beat him on the head. Each person would take a turn beating him upon the head so that the spikes would drive into his skin. And uh, because the the blood vessels in the face and the head are, they flow so well, the, the, the wounds on your head often bleed a lot. If you ever get a cut on your forehead or on your face, it bleeds a lot more than the rest of your body. And so so, blood began to pour through his eyes and through the wounds and and then, after this is whenever after this is whenever they began to take him to Calvary, and the rest of this we know i I don't want to take up too much time trying to break down the rest of that. The rest of that we know he he carried the cross, which weighed. Somewhere close to two hundred and fifty pounds, and he carried it so far before he was unable to to carry it any longer and so Simon came and and carried it for him and helped him and Then they dragged him up the hill and nailed him through his wrists and through his ankles and held him to that cross and put him up there and then from there is something that I want to focus on is that on the cross. It's not a quick death. It's not something that you just get nailed to the cross and then boom, you're dead. But instead, as you're hanging on a cross, you can breathe in very easily. But breathing out, your lungs are under so much pressure that you cannot exhale. The only way for you to exhale is to pull yourself up by your wrists that are in those spikes and and push with your ankles that also have spikes in them. So that you can exhale. And this often leads to fluid filling up the lungs until you slowly drown. But the thing that I want to focus on right here. And I'm almost done. I know we got about four minutes left. I'm not going to be very long. The thing I want to focus on is that there are seven things that Jesus said while he was on the cross. But one thing in particular that he said is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And uh, I've always thought that it was amazing that he could, you know, think to say those words while he was being tortured for our transgressions. But something that I never really understood until I was reading this this man's article is that in order to speak, you must exhale. And so not only did Jesus think to forgive, but after he had been beaten and bruised and wounded and torn to pieces and stabbed through his wrists and his ankles, after all of that, not only did he think to forgive us, but he had to, with dislocated shoulders and broken or dislocated ankles from the spikes, he had to muster up the strength to pull himself up so that he could speak and forgive And the the things that he went through for me. The things that he suffered for me. There's no way that I can ever put my faith. That I can ever put my hope. That I can ever put my theology. That I can ever put anything that I have in anything except for Jesus only. He bore our sickness. He bore our stress. He bore our our suffering. He took on our shame and our guilt. He took on our iniquity and our sin. And everything that we were, he took it upon himself and suffered our penalty. Because one day, one day you and I are going to stand before the throne. And I'm going to have to give an account for everything that I've ever said or ever done. And I'm not going to be good enough to get in there. But I have an advocate. I have a savior. And whenever I stand up there and I give an account of everything I've ever said, never done. I will not be able to depend on. My knowledge of history and theology, I will not be able to depend on the mysteries of the scriptures that I have understood. I won't be able to depend on my accomplishments and my accolades and and my achievements. The only thing that I'll be able to stand on is Jesus Christ. Whenever He asks me, What do you have to say for yourself? I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing, Jesus, except for what you gave me, what you did for me. Nothing that I can say for myself will get me through those gates of pearl. Nothing that I have of my own will get me to my promise. The only thing that I have to stand on is you, Jesus. And because of the things that he suffered, because of the things that he endured, that alone will be enough to get me in. And so today as we uh, we close, and you can stand with me and, and we're going to pray before this next service, I want us to, to pause and consider as we move into worship and as we move into the preaching of the Word. I want us to pause and consider all of the things that we have in this life and all the things that we depend on on this life, all the things that we, we count as gain in this life. And count it all as loss as we move forward into this next service. And thank Him. Thank Him that Jesus only is everything that we need. That in all the things that He said in the Old Testament, all the things that He did for us in the New Testament, all the promises that were made, all of the assurances that were given, everything that He ever did for us you'll find no other way to access it but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's lift our hands and our voices and pray and thank Jesus for the things that He did for us. Lord, we thank You, God. We thank You, Lord, for the things that You've given us, the things that You're going to continue to give us and bless us, Lord. I thank You for Your promises that You've made to us, Lord. Let your blood sweep through this room right now, God. Let your anointing sweep through this room right now, God. And prepare us, Lord,
1: for the next service, God, as we bring worship and praises to you. us, oh, how you loves us, oh, how he loves us,
2: Holy Ghost so strong in here right now. Can't can't help it. A word, a word like that, it, it ushers in an anointing and a power from the Holy Ghost. Could you just pour out your love on him for another moment? Could you let him know how much you love him, how thankful you are that what he's given us, what we have through him, the salvation that we have through him is enough. Could you pour out your love on him for just another moment right now? So thankful today. This uh, this is what I want us to do as we we get ready to transition into our 12 o'clock service. I want us uh, all that will just, we already, you know, we have pre service prayer and things, but you want to find you a place and pray and just continue to pour out your love on the Lord today. uh, Can we do that, please? We know you do what you got to do, but let's find a place to pray and let's. Let's be in the right mindset today and understand everything we're going to need in this service today is in Jesus only. And he's here. He'll be here. Let's continue to pray today as we get ready for our next service.
1: the woman with the alabaster box. You want our worship to rise like a sweet
2: perfume as we pour our love all over you. More Toronto, help me sing it out.
1: From here to there, worship is filling the atmosphere, both now and then. Like a sweet perfume Like a sweet perfume You got it my for my, Out for my love.